Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. And today we are joined by James Rathabar. Today, he's going to talk with us about the current state of wearable technology and breaking it down. So this is a great frequently asked questions. He is the Vice President of Technical Operations and a lot of great experience and understanding of this particular type of topic. So we're excited to get his input. James, thanks you for joining us and talking about uh, a topic that I don't think is ever going to go away, different wearable technologies. So if you can give us a quick little intro, what are the two main categories of wearable technologies? Sure. Thanks for having me, Curtis. Yeah, the main categories would be wearable sensors that typically uh, integrate with cloud-based software or desktop software. Uh, and then you also have actual wearable components such as exoskeletons. Those would be the, the two main categories. And we all have seen maybe different commercials or it, or maybe if somebody's never heard of it. What is the idea behind these? And why do you think people have taken hold upon these where they say this is the premise of why this should help and be helpful? Sure. Yeah. You have kind of two schools of thought. One is, you know, with the technology, there's this cool factor. You know, it's it's something that's wearable and I can... Depending on the type of wearable, I can get immediate feedback to where I can do corrective actions on my own, or it can provide a lot of data. Once again, you know, it's either cloud-based or desktop-based or both to where someone can interpret those results and make corrective actions within the workplace. You know, we've had a recent client and one of my coworkers that have had a chance to kind of experiment with some of these exoskeletons. You know, a question that's come up is, are these designed to be then worn continuously and permanently? Or is this just something more as a teaching tool for that corrective behavior? Great question. And honestly, the, the answer to to this question is pretty much the answer to, to any high level question is, and the, the answer is it depends. And I know that sounds kind of like, uh, you know, not not answering the, the question, uh, but in all actuality, it depends on the circumstance, the scenario, the environment, the task, multifactorial you know, variables there. But for the most part, exoskeletons, and when we talk about exoskeletons, we talk about passive exoskeletons, which they do not, uh, they're not automated and, and they don't actually do the lifting for you. They just kind of augment the, the lifting that a person performs. And then you have active, which is what you see like in aliens and stuff like that. Those types of exoskeletons where it increases a person's you know, potential to lift. It can do movements for them like in a, in a therapy setting, things like that. But, but to answer your question about the duration of, of wearing this, it depends. It, it, and ultimately, it depends on the process. The research is showing, you know, once again, multifactorial variables if the process is a short process and, and it's only performed for a short amount of time wearing it then, and then it's worth it to put the exoskeleton on, what we call donning and doffing, putting it on and then taking it off. But if it's something that it's going to, to be an extended duration, then it's better to actually leave it on. Uh, but then we go down that path of, well, does this cause muscle atrophy? And you know, there's a whole bunch of research that that I haven't been involved in. I've been reading quite a bit of it. And you know, the, the results aren't in yet. This is still a, a new concept. So having these longitudinal studies just aren't complete at this time. So it sounds like the, the big factor that people are facing is that because it's so new, 
we want to use it to its fullest, but anytime you use something new, nobody knows the long-term effects of it. So that that's still the main concern is, well, what are the long-term effects on it until we can get some several studies to really kind of become more definitive on it. So let's kind of just focus more on uh, these sensors. Is there um, any sort of effect that these sensors are having on individuals, whether you know overall positive or overall negative? Yeah. And, and once again, yeah, it depends on the situation, the scenario, what they're utilized for. Uh, whenever I talk with clients about wearable sensors and, and wearable technology, uh, especially wearable sensors, I just tell them, you know, go into this conversation with eyes and ears, mind wide open. One of the common misconceptions or the common mistakes that some folks make is thinking that a wearable sensor is a standalone solution. If I buy a thousand of these and put it on my entire workforce, injuries are going to be eliminated and, you know, it, it's we'll sing praises, happy, you know, it's, it's just, you know, utopian type of effect. And in all actuality, what a wearable sensor does is it's good at what it's intended for. And I always say, let's look at the pros and cons of, of the wearable sensors. And some of the pros are you can put these sensors, the sensors are very inexpensive. Uh, you can put these sensors on large amounts of the workforce uh, quantities, and you can get a whole bunch of data and the data will tell you things like, uh, hey, here's the posture that you're in. Here's how long you were in this posture. Here's how many repetitions you performed in this posture. So you heard me say posture quite a bit because that's the, the main point of these sensors at this point, this iteration of sensors is it's postural related. They can track movements, duration, frequencies, and then categorize it based on at risk. How long was a person in a sustained bent posture? How long was a person in a sustained above shoulder level posture? So the sensor that will provide you with this data compared to a person going out on the floor and trying to capture this kind of data for a thousand people, it's gonna take several days, weeks, months, uh, and then this can capture it for you over you know, an entire shift. That's one of the benefits but then when you look at some of the limitations, the, the limitations would be, it's telling you the what. It's telling you what are the postural related risk factors and the time spent. Once again, the number of repetitions frequency, but it's not telling you the other risk factors such as what forces, weights, vibration, contact stress. Uh, and then it's also not telling you the why you know, why are the risk factors present? It's, it's not doing that root cause analysis. It's providing you data, but it still has to be interpreted. And then also it doesn't provide you with the how. How do we mitigate or, or eliminate the risk factors? So whenever I'm talking to, to clients about this or potential clients interested in wearable sensors, the, the education process is, if you're looking for an analogy or, or an illustration of it, a wearable sensor is a tool in the toolkit of a, of a trained person uh, injury prevention specialist. James, would you say that another limitation would be real-time feedback? I feel like what I hear you saying is that, you know, all of this gets sent into the, you know, great space out there and then interpreted, you know, a month later or at the end of the trial period. Is that true? Am I hearing that correctly? That is true. Yes. Yeah, certain sensors, and once again, there, there are new sensor companies uh, on the market almost on a daily basis, sometimes more than one per day. So it depends on the type of sensor and how it records it, how it displays the information. Some that are more like a, a Fitbit, you know, you'll be able to get in real time. Uh, most of them that are the, the more inexpensive sensors that you can put on mass quantities of, of the population, 
they won't have that information. They'll provide you with some what we call haptic feedback to where if you're in a in an awkward posture, it captures that it'll buzz and give you kind of that that haptic sens- that sensation about oh okay you know immediate feedback I'm in a bad posture I need to I need to correct that. But for the most part, yes, there's a cloud-based and, and desktop-based or a mixture of both to where someone either in real time or away from that can interpret that data. James, I know that you are big into research and kind of looking into things and, and keeping up with the latest on what is going on. What can you tell us what are researchers kind of focusing on these days in relationship to wearable technology? Wearable technology, once again, you know, kind of going back to what we first started talking about with the, the limitations here at Fit for Work, we're an evidence-based practice. And, and a lot of the folks that we work with are big into data and evidence. And, and that's the question is, you know, what are the long-term effects? What are, you know, what are the longitudinal studies saying? And, and there really aren't very many. And if, if so, the technology has changed from when they started to now. It's interesting to, to look back on the, the earlier research to now and the earlier research focused more on mechanical measures. Is it reducing the, the forces on the shoulder? Is it reducing forces on the, the back? Talking about like an exoskeleton. Uh, some studies have found that the forces are transferred from the shoulder, so it's taking the pressure off the shoulder, but then putting it, depending on the, the type of exoskeleton, then it's putting that pressure on the spinal extensors or the spine itself or uh, the pelvis or even transferred down to the to the hips and knees. So some studies have found that. But a more recent study and, and one that really piqued my interest came out of Texas A&M. It was a combined effort of Texas A&M and Ohio State University, where they looked at the cognitive demands that exoskeletons place on people. So the, the earlier studies focused on mechanical. Now we have these newer studies focusing on the, the cognitive demands, which I find are very interesting because when you're looking at a person, you should take a human-centered approach and you should not just look at the physical environment and the physical structures, tools and equipment, everything else, but also the cognitive demands and, and emotional demands. What is this placing on a person? So Texas A&M University and Ohio, Ohio State combined their efforts and looked at the cognitive demands. And what they found was wearing the exoskeleton actually increased the cognitive demands and may potentially offset any mechanical advantage gained by the exoskeleton you know, was offset by the increased cognitive demands. And, and I think that study is going to lead to a lot more future studies focusing on, on that as well. That is really intriguing. And I think that's something that we'll definitely tackle going forward because I, looking at these wearables as, you know, they design them for the human body, but taking into account the human mind, which kind of integral to the body, exactly, uh, I think is a really great mindset or, or, or great approach to this going forwards. And just a, a quick summary of the, the wearable sensors as well. You know, it's just whenever you're looking at it and, you know, you're, you're meeting with someone or, or someone's bringing up the wearable sensors, the main thing is, you know, once again, have the, the, the open eyes, ears and mindset and really get to know the, the limitations of the, the wearables and, and wearable technology as well as the benefits. And then you can make a more informed decision of where does this fit in, in my injury prevention efforts. Thank you so much for for joining us. I think this is really good topics that will always be intriguing. And I think that a lot of people want to be up to date. And so we will keep uh, addressing this in ways that lets people stay current with it. So I like to say you you don't expect an oil change to change your tires to help your tire problem. So realize what the what the wearable can and can't do. And as long as you have that realistic expectation. Thank you so much, James. Thank you for having me. 
We really want to thank James for joining us today, and we just love having him on. He always speaks with such passion and, and true knowledge to the topics around everything ergonomics, and it was great to hear from him on wearable technology today and even what some of the most recent research is pointing to. So thank you all for listening to this Frequently Asked Questions episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast. We are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. To get started preventing injuries, visit our website at wellworkforce.com or email us podcast at wellworkforce.com with any questions or comments. And remember, prevention improves lives.